Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning, and I'd like to welcome you to our Wired to Change podcast, where we help small business owners grow their business to the levels they want so they can enjoy the life of a small business owner. I am solo today. I have a wonderful guest, but Trinity is not here today. We'll just say she's on assignment. Then you guys can figure out, hmm, did she go on another cruise? Is she selling a $4 million mansion in Pacific Palisades somewhere? Where is she? But anyway, she's fine and she'll be back next time. Our guest today, Susie Silver with Susie Silver Art. Susie, how are you? I am great. Thank Good. you so much. We are so happy you're here. Uh, you do something that I have no talent for whatsoever, so I can't <laughs> wait to get into it. So the Susie Silver, I just need to slow down and, and talk when I say that. You are, according to your website, see, if, could I, if I asked you, could you recite all the things about you on your website, would you know? Well, I usually forget okay, at least one you. thing. <laughs> couple of kids, couple yeah. of jobs. Like yeah. <laughs> Susie is an artist, an educator, a coach, a consultant, and a speaker. Yes. And a wife and two kids, mm-hmm. right? Married with two kids. Mm-hmm. So, and that, yes. a couple other than that. And wait, there's more. She owns Locally Made Market, which showcases local artists. To sum you up, is a painter a graphic type person, you just have an eye for the arts. Yes. Where did that come from? I was born with it. Thank you. I, thought, <laughs> I was born with it. <laughs> I thought it was something you could learn and I just wasn't well, learning it. Well, you can learn a lot. And that's one of the reasons I do a lot of workshops and I've yes. loved educating yep. at all different age groups throughout my entire career. For me to answer that, I know I was born with it. And I I have said this many times. It will be new to your audience. My parents still say, if you gave her French fries and crayons, she'd be happy. <laughs> and I'll tell you, if you still give me French fries and crayons, I'm happy. Fair <laughs> so, enough. Yes. That may, and each week we do the show, I always wait for the guest to say something to title the show. <laughs> Uh, I think you just gave me that. Yep. You, first of all, are your parents, what gene do you call this? I consider myself lucky to have this artistic gene. An artistic gene. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll say that. So my parents are not artistic (laughs) at all. And I have two siblings, not artistic really at all. And my mother has said that she had the triple A's, the athlete, the artist, and the academic. Nice. And so <laughs> it's actually really true. I mean, we all are creative in our own ways, yeah. all three of us and uh, academic and, and uh, athletic, but that's really how we fell into ourselves. Are you the middle child? I am. Can we read into that at all? Because I'm a middle child and oh. I've meant nothing about artistic. So Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at least... I gen- people generally knew my name. Yeah, there you <laughs> family, go, there right? You go. Were you? Did you find yourself at a young age doodling, mm-hmm. like walls, paper? It didn't matter. I would be drawing all the time, drawing, painting, any type of craft, uh, manipulating things with my hands. So whether We're it's clay, get to that word because that yes. was all over you. Yes, just just playing with just materials and being creative with those materials. You describe your work as manipulation of media. Yes. And half of me wants to title the show with that. Mm-hmm. And people are going to go, oh, it's got to involve politics. And some people say, things. Mm-hmm. Well, come on, we're talking about art. What in the world does that mean? I like to take materials, mediums, 
and change them somehow. Define materials. So things like ink, acrylic paint, watercolor, different papers. And I try very hard to use things in a new form. So I change the chemistry of some of these things. I mix them together when maybe some people out there or rules would say not to. And I just love seeing what is unexpected. And then eventually I learned to control it to where I know what will happen. But changing and playing and investigating is all part of that media manipulation. Is it one of those you, when you see it, you know it's done? In an overall piece, because I do completely non-objective or non-representational work, which means no images. And go to um, Susie Silver Art. Dot com to check it out. Yeah. I had to look at it a bunch of times because <laughs> my eyes, I know what I see. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I looked at a couple of years of words, cool, but I, I just, my eyes, I don't have that color wheel. So right. somebody I didn't, didn't understand, but a couple, I had to look at it a couple of times and mm-hmm. go, oh. Yes. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's an inherent trait that I have that I know when a piece is done or it's not finished or it's not quite balanced right or the colors are off a little bit and that that takes a lot of time and practice and challenges to yourself as the artist to to push the boundaries to take the risks often like in business too and so uh, I'll I'll generally know when a piece is done I have an overall idea of what I want to do and uh, colors I want to use and some of the materials I use have a very quick drying time and so I have to do a lot of pre-planning hours and weeks and sketches and kind of going through the motions on my own and once I start working sometimes it's very intensive other times it can be over many sessions many weeks (laughs) What was the first thing growing up? What's the first thing you remember manipulating? I I loved peeling <laughs> peeling the wrappers off crayons like most you most and your did. crayons me and my crayons I'm, I'm and thing, then yeah. I remember I don't know so much manipulating but I would I had an easel and this smock I remember the oh, smock yeah. and I would just stand there and and paint and paint and paint. And it's interesting because in my my educational background, Mm -hmm. I did three-dimensional work and sculpture. And somehow I came back to this painting and drawing. It was always in your blood. It was always there. Mm -hmm. Do you have, with a couple of kids at home, do you have your own room that nobody can get in because you've got stuff everywhere, including live paint, which could end up other places? Yes, it happens to be what is supposed to be our dining room. (laughs) So you are more than welcome to come and eat at my house. I don't know where you're going to sit. And it is right when you walk in our door. So uh, that is the studio. It's not really ever been a dining room. And I do have a lot of storage and and, um, area to work. And the kids pretty much are out of there. Do you have a creative time of day? I am most productive in the morning uh, with balancing a lot. I work in the late afternoons. Nighttime is very hard for me based on the lighting. Mm. Oh. And knowing how colors change in light and really wanting to see pure colors, I want to work as in daylight as much as possible. So most productive hours for me in general are morning when I can. And if not, it's late afternoon. Okay, because you either Mm -hmm. want the morning sun or the afternoon Mm -hmm. coming from the other window, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Huh. Morning sun for me is the best, but I, okay. I use the time I, I can. <laughs> Do you wake up 
and just kind of walk to the table and start? It depends on the day. I have to actually schedule my time in the studio most of the time because I do have so many other things going on and the kids. I try to work when they're not in the house. One, they're very interested, which I appreciate, but then it is distracting because of the zone I get into. So some days I just wake up. If there's some time, I go down. I, I do some test colors or ideas or sketching uh others when i'm working on major pieces it's usually scheduled and by myself okay mm-hmm. you must go through a lot of paint i go through a lot of everything do you have, <laughs> yeah. do you have bulk orders everywhere and <laughs> i some of the things i can't i can't bulk order them so it's frustrating but i do have i have so much i, w- I guess i would consider it bulk because yeah. <laughs> i have so many things good thing there's storage places for yes. it right? yes you have a BFA, which is a, which is a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Yes. If I remember my undergrad mm-hmm. stuff, which I did not have. Let's <laughs> repeat that again. From the, I love this title, or this, from the New York State College of Ceramics within Alfred University in Alfred, New York. Yes. College of Ceramics. Mm-hmm. There's more to that. There is. There, there is. So in the New York school system, I don't know if you've heard of the SUNY system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And State so, University of New York. Yep. Exactly. So the New York State College of Ceramics is a very intensive fine arts school that has always been housed within a larger university called Alfred University. It's in a tiny little town in western New York, if you think Binghamton, South of Rochester, uh, that kind of area. And the ceramic program and the glass program, the the whole program is very strong, but it is really known for ceramics and glass and because it's very close to Corning. So Corning, New York, Corning Ware, and uh, Steuben Glass, some people know that glass. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would go back and forth a lot between actually Alfred and Corning during my studies, but BFA and studio art, my concentrations were in ceramic art and glass art. Were you always going to this college for that major? Yes. I knew that That before. Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) This school, it was a great school. It was a, a small one. The entire university was about 2,500 students and when I was 17, 18, I graduated high school when I was 17, just because of when I had started elementary, I didn't want to be a number somewhere. Yeah. I wanted to be a real person and mm-hmm. I needed that at the time. And the level of education, the opportunity was unbelievable. And I worked really hard to get a great portfolio and I applied and they didn't accept a lot of people. And I was absolutely honored. So yes, is the always definitive it was like the place I was meant to be. Very good. How far was that from home? Four and a half hours. Just far enough, right? Mm-hmm. No drop-ins, but I come home if I want to, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Not that we don't yes. love our parents, but <laughs> exactly. when we're 18, we're like, hey, right. you know what? I'll check mm-hmm. in with you later. So you furthered your studies at the Studio Arts International in Florence, Italy. That was towards the end of uh, college, and I went to Florence for... Uh, a bit of time and studied uh, Italian language, which I'm terrible at. That, that was <laughs> so my follow-up, yep. Pretty much I can order food. I mean, really, let's be honest. So, and so, and then um, also I did some studies with art history because I absolutely love the history of art. And so I spent some time there and then came back to the States. Does that just ooze artistic creativity, just that whole area? For me, it did. I bet. Oh, I definitely didn't want to come back. <laughs> I was 20 years old. Of course, I didn't want to come back. Were you looking for a full-time job there? I was just 
I was a free spirit at yeah. the time. I just wanted to be, be yeah. in Italy, be the artist. And the reality set in of, you know, you got to go back, mm, yeah. but, oh, it, yes. It just, the, any place that has such beautiful history uh, from the art, the architecture, the food, the people, it was just, it was magical. My one trip to Europe was years ago in another life at uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. And not Russia in general, but just some of the cathedrals there. I feel like you could take the 10 greatest architects living today, mm. not even close, could just, not get close to replicating the beautiful cathedrals back then. Uh, oh, yes. Love that. And I'm not even that type of, uh, again, the eye doesn't see a lot, but when I walked in, it's like, okay, this is pretty cool. So. What I loved in your bio, and here are the little goofy things that crack me up, <laughs> is in this sentence, rarely do you see Studio Studio Arts International in Florence, Italy, and Penland School of Crafts in Spruce, Kring, Spruce Pine, North Carolina, <laughs> paired together. No. So how did they connect? A year after I was in Italy, I was about to finish all my studies, and I was applying to summer programs, mm -hmm. and... I had one in Seattle that was very glass art focused, one in, it was Maine or New Hampshire, and this place called Penland in Spruce Pine, North Carolina. I had no idea, it was foreshadowing. I had no vision of ever moving to North Carolina for no reason, but I grew up in Pennsylvania and I was going to college in New York. And I, I just loved what Penland had to offer. I also did some glass work while I was at Penland that summer. And I just fell in love with it. I remember I flew into Asheville and then drove, but it was about an hour. It's about Most an hour away. Most people have no idea where that is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, um, Western part of the state Western, for those of you listening yes. in the mountains. Yes. yes. And gorgeous. Oh yeah. And that was just another time where I could connect with artists that were high level and also challenged me. And I grew so much. I was only in North Carolina for a couple of weeks and it was amazing. So what brought you back here? I knew one person from college that had moved down here who had nothing to do with art. Wait, from New York From college, New York, I'm North sorry, Carolina excuse college. me, from, from, <laughs> Nor from New York College. And I had an extra semester because I was student teaching. And so oh. most of my friends and people had dispersed already. And I was up in New York and graduated in December uh, 2002. Show off. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I knew one person and they said, look, I, I don't quite know what you're looking for. I was waiting tables at the time back in Pittsburgh then. And teachers, well, they don't make the best money. No, sadly, <laughs> and this is no. now almost 17 no. years ago. So it sadly, really was, no. was much lower than it is now. And they just said, but this area is great. I know you're kind of looking to get out. Why don't you come down? And I, it was a series of events, but I had, I went to a job fair. Wake County used to have a giant mm -hmm. job fair. I came, I interviewed with the school I took a taxi to have a second interview before I Way left. Way back then, you yes, took a taxi. Yes, I took a taxi. Nice. Okay. Go for, right? <laughs> so antiquated. <laughs> I know. Mom, Dad, and what are those? What are those? <laughs> those yellow cars going by. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a great point. Yes. <laughs> so, and I was offered my job, and really, I I came down here. I, I put what fit in my car, and I didn't look back. And it was quite a shock to my family at the time of, you know, what do you want to do? Where are you going? And I said, look, if I can always come back. It didn't matter at that point in time. Right. You, just, it, you found I a place just, that called you. Oh my right? goodness. I just, it's a great place. I didn't know what to expect. I was definitely a North 
northern girl, northeast girl, and I just didn't know what to expect. And I, I love it here. You are losing some of your your accent, mm-hmm. but I can always tell somebody from New York just by the way they say Rochester. Rochester. That's exactly, that's yeah. the Western New York part. <laughs> then is. I could get the Pittsburgh part going, which you know. But rarely, <laughs> yeah. You, it, it, yeah. There's so many ways to say Rochester, depending on Ro- what part of the country the you're from. Yeah. <laughs> so you are in your 17th year as a visual arts teacher at Cary High School. Yes. Was that the first job? First job. Okay. Only school. Nice. Been there my entire career. And you had a college degree and any teaching experience? I had my teaching license. So I had the BFA, a minor in art history, and then a minor in K through 12 education. And then I stayed that extra semester and got my teaching license, which was reciprocal here. I had a couple tests to take once I got here. Okay. Yep. In that first year of teaching, two questions. What did you learn as an adult in the working world? And then what did you learn from the kids? The first year teaching yeah, first year. is the most difficult thing that most people could go through, <laughs> I will say. So as an adult in the workforce, you answer to yourself. And you have to hold yourself accountable and challenge yourself. And it's okay. I learned it's okay to take the it's okay to try something and have it totally fail but you're still going to be okay and I think that can apply to so much that concept Uh, and then from the kids they rely on you more than you would think and I was 22 (laughs) with some students that are I taught all I teach all grades so some of my students were 18 or 19 and so that was an interesting dynamic but that first year of just being really all around so many children. I had 33 children in each one of my classes. That's a lot of children making art. <laughs> Were you living in an apartment? I was. And, yeah. I, and I had a friend that wound up coming okay. right. from Pittsburgh that I had yeah. met. And so we were sharing an apartment. And this was 2000, what, two? Two, two three. Okay. I'm what, sorry, three, four. What'd you pay for the apartment? Do you remember? Oh my goodness. And was it close to the school? It was not close to the school. That was on purpose. <laughs> I wanted a little distance. You know what? That's and somebody had given idea. me that advice, especially because I was so young and just establishing myself in my yeah. career. And like I said, it is it's a it's an intense time in general being an educator, but the first three years are really intense. And somebody had given me the advice, don't go too far out, but if you could give yourself some distance, it would be great. So I was in Raleigh, uh, off of Durley, mm-hmm. Durley and uh, Glenwood area. What did we pay for the apartment? I mean, it, it was not a lot compared to right now. I think it was probably 900 or less okay. a month right. for two beds. I mean, yeah. at the time it was brand new. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> There's still so many new apartments being built. But. Uh, I always love, in my other podcast, one of my, two of my favorite questions asked people are, how did you meet your wife? Mm-hmm. And do you both tell the story the same way? <laughs> I met my wife teaching at Cary High School. And what is her name? Her name is Anne. Anne, okay. And we met while teaching at Cary High. So yeah, she, literally, how literally. did you meet the first day? Do you remember? I don't remember. I do. Re- what I do remember is uh, I would have to pass her classroom on the way to another building, which is where my classroom was. And I remember she was just always on fire in the classroom. Like so, I mean, just so good so good and I just remember kind of going past and not thinking much of it we hadn't really we'd been more acquaintances Mm -hmm. for a very long time before we really met and became friends 
And that, that was actually, we were in a meeting together. And we, we wound up developing an after-school assistance program together for oh. at-risk students. Mm -hmm. And we were in this random meeting, and we were paired up to brainstorm. And our brainstorm wound up being this very large program for many years at the school. And we that's really how we met officially. Wow. But we had known each other yeah. for a couple of years. Does she still teach there? She does not. What did she teach? She taught Spanish. Is she bilingual since you are not with Italian? Is she Spanish bilingual? She is bilingual. Okay. Do you learn some of those just by osmosis? Yes. Right. And our, we now, one of our kids is in kindergarten and the other one's still in daycare, but, but yes. the daycare uh, preschool is a full Spanish immersion program. So I'm learning from my own children. Perfect. And also, circle I, of life. Yes. I also think we tell the story mostly the same, okay. but slightly different. What I find <laughs> so. with married couples, first of all, yeah. where was the first date? We went to a concert. That was really uh, the first big date. All right. We went to a concert. And I mean, it was so exciting, but it was terrifying because, you know, that we're public school teachers, mm -hmm. oh. you know, to not go too far into things, but we're yeah. public school teachers. We had met and, you know, we were very excited, but we were scared. And mm -hmm. so we were at this concert and afraid we'd see somebody and we did, but it really yeah, was yeah. not very obvious at the time. So what concert did you go see? Ray LaMontagne. Very, he's like really raspy. Real? Okay. I know oh, the name. I don't know anything yeah, about him. But great. Okay. You do not must, want me to sing. Okay. <laughs> so. Must have been a smaller venue. Smaller venue. Okay. So, right. but that was the first. So when main did day. you know? Very quickly. Yeah. Yes, I love those. Very answers. quickly. Yeah, yeah. There's so much of the story about <laughs> our our love story and us really fighting for each other. And cool. Anne was the first woman that I dated, but I I just knew there was this magnetism yep. about her, and you know, and. And I'm sitting across you saying, yes, I get it. Because, you know, love is love is love. love. <laughs> so. and, uh, and we're going to talk more about this because yes. we have you for a mm -hmm. couple podcasts. But yes. the heart wants what the heart yes. wants. Yeah. It doesn't matter if that's who, because our boys, we got two boys when they went off to college. It's like, bring whoever you're mm -hmm. attracted to. It, it doesn't matter to mm -hmm. us. You know, yes. but, and, and again, they ask you, well, why this was like, I don't know. My heart said, <laughs> when I oh. saw my wife, it's like, my heart said, go find out her name and introduce yourself. Yes. Oh, I just, I knew. <laughs> I knew. Does she have any painting skills at all? Or artistic skills? She She's very creative with graphic art, as oh. in on the computer. She doesn't do a lot. It's not yeah. something she really sits down to do, but she just is amazing at graphic layouts and editing things. She's amazing with that. Did your love of art and the community lead you to start locally made market? Yes. Before locally made market occurred, Ann and I started a business together that it doesn't exist anymore, but it's, it's my LLC. It's called Redbird Goods. And it was a gender neutral infant and toddler t-shirt company. Because okay. when we had our first child, we were very frustrated that clothes were very gender specific. That's a whole other conversation. Okay. And by the way, the name of my next podcast yeah. is going to be that's for another podcast. That's, that's for another <laughs> podcast. I have so <laughs> much to say. Um, so through Redbird Goods, which really was Anne's concept. I mean, she had the concept, she had the vision, she established the LLC. She really went after that. I brought it into action and happened to go to a lot of events. So you see a lot of the art festivals or the pop-up type of event where it's one day and you go in and you see a lot of diverse, different people, uh, artisans, and then you go home. Well, in 
we were traveling everywhere else but Carrie. And granted, Carrie has great events. Oh, yeah. and, and many that are pop-up types. But this vision we had together didn't exist yet. And we also had a lot of T-shirts we needed to sell. <laughs> so... We went to our friends at the Maiden Inn. We, oh, know, yeah. we know the owners because... We met them with Trinity, and I did a seminar there, and the lady that owns that, I, her name Deanna. escapes me, yes. Really nice. She talked. She came and talked to us for no reason, 20 minutes. Told us they own the one in Durham. They own a hotel in Asheville, I believe. Yeah, they, neat lady. Yeah. They're amazing yeah. people. And I asked her, I said, hey, can we get a few of our maker, you know, that's kind of the term, maker or artisan friends together, okay. sell some of this stuff here. What do you think? She said, great. Well, we felt very strongly we would not host that as Redbird Goods. Mm -hmm. And we were just brainstorming one night, local, locally made, locally, locally made market. I kid you not, the domain and all the social media handles were free. We bought them and she started building a website that (laughs) night. And so locally made market then grew out of a necessity for us as a small business. But then we we really wanted to bring the talent that we Mm. knew into this community and provide newer shopping options that were local in a local venue to the community. And it was at the time where Academy Street had just reopened and had been shut for so long that it helped the maintenance as well. Just get some new people in there. And, and that's how it started. You've known Trinity for a while. You and mm-hmm. I literally just met before right. we sat down yes. pretty much. <laughs> she speaks so highly mm-hmm. of that venue that people, anybody can bring their stuff in there and say, hey, public, here I am. Yes. Well, it's got to be a cool feeling for you because that was the ultimate goal of it, wasn't it? Right. It's it's to make connections mm-hmm. for people. And so I produce the event twice a year, once in May, and we have one coming up May 3rd, and then in December. And we kind of focus on that holiday crowd and then the springtime events that happen. And I rotate in new people uh, as much as possible. People have to apply. It's a very rigorous jury process I do now. We receive about three to four times the amount of applications per spaces that I have, which is a compliment as well. And, you know, we don't ask people to report their numbers, but just based on general feedback, for the most part, people do really well. And because Carrie is a different type of place, it does make those connections. I say it's my creative love letter to Carrie. I, I love Carrie. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've worked in the schools. I, I live here with my family and I, I'm so grateful that the community has embraced this event. It's been three and a half years and they just keep getting bigger. You and I, when I was stalking you the last couple <laughs> of days, and by that I mean researching you so I could ask decent questions, you and I, LinkedIn-wise, are connected one of the coolest dudes in town, Dan Campbell. I love he Dan is, Campbell. I used to be, he and I used to be in the same B&I group. Yeah. And he when <laughs> normal people, when they have their 10-minute talk, they talk about their business, he sings. He puts a chair on the stage with a big old painting in the back, and they're all so cool as I've gotten to know him and understand where just a thought, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, that that came from that. So I like that. But he'll just he'll sing a song for five minutes, and that's what he does. I love Dan. <laughs> yeah. He's been he's been a great friend and good heart. Great good heart. heart. So yep. talented. And what I've learned from him is he has donated quite a bit of time and resources to help people. Help me make sure I got this right, he did, this must have been about a year or so ago, there were some elderly people or handicapped people that were painting and couldn't finish Mm. 
their painting, and I think he went to help them finish or something along those lines. But that's what he does. That that would I I haven't heard that, yeah. but I'm sure that that's true because yeah. that is Dan. Yeah. So not only should you go to SusieSilverArt.com, but go to What's Dan's latest website? It's was Dan Campbell yeah. Art. I think it's uh, Modern Art. Modern by Dan. Art. Is Dan Campbell Art. See, that's why Drake. Yeah. That's why he's here. <laughs> Shakes his head. He knows. He listens. So also go to Dan Campbell Art. Check that out. Mm-hmm. But people can go to the website locally made market through your website, right? The, it's a separate. It's okay. a separate entity. So mm-hmm. May third, are 3rd. all the slots filled? This will come out. What's the date today? March 12th. Okay, this will come out on March 17th. Okay, yes, so it is Sunday, May 3rd, 12 to 4 p.m. at the Mayton Inn, free admission. We'll have about 35 artisans, all all local. Everything's made by the people you will meet, and uh, you should come. Good thing (laughs) they have a parking day there. I will, I'll bring Mm -hmm. my wife because she's... Uh, in different phases of life has been an interior decorator. So mm-hmm. she loves, we'll be sitting at home. We were, okay, let me finish this door real quick. We're sitting at home. We were living in Daytona beach and she said, Hey, uh, thinking about painting the kitchen green. What do you think? And I'm just <laughs> clueless. But what she did in our den was she painted it Italian brick, taped it, painted it Italian brick and then peeled the tape off and it looked like Italian brick. Oh That's, my goodness. So yeah. So she'll love this stuff. She'll so we'll love do that. it. Uh, you currently reside in Raleigh. Oh, your kids, uh, six years old, first kindergarten and daycare. Yes, so right. almost six who and they, 22 months. Who are they more like? Well, I carried our first child right. and my wife carried the second child. Nice. Yes. Um, and so they, they're they both just like us individually. Okay. <laughs> Literally, they look like us and they act <laughs> just like us. <laughs> it's really funny. You can tell, yeah. Oh, yes. Those yes. are mine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no doubt about yep. it. Yep. Do they look alike? Do the kids look? They have, they have similarities. They do share a donor, an anonymous Mm -hmm. donor, uh, that, you know, we kind of keep private. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't know the person, but there's a long story of how that happens. Uh, for another podcast. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) How many of these we could get? And so they, they do share DNA. So there are some similarities. It's amazing how recessive that donor's genes are once you see my children. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so Susie Silver Art, this is how you got here. We've got two more podcasts we're going to talk to Susie about. We're going to get into more. But I love the French fries and crayons. You would color with both and eat both? <laughs> I would not eat the crayons, okay. which I guess is rare. For, You're very for rare for a kid not to try to bite on yes. a crayon. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, we ask you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Go to wiredtochange.com. Check out the events we have going on. We'd love to get some feedback from you. Also, check out Susie, S-U-S-I-E, silverart.com. And the cool things she does, I hope your eyes see everything. Some of mine don't, but (laughs) I love the stuff that's on there. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.